Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. back to btr boxing podcast network i am your host sean and i'm joined by jamie once again this week for the big fight preview for jaime munguia versus john Ryder in what is going to be an interesting affair in the super middleweight division the biggest fight of the weekend the most notable fight of the weekend and i'm glad to have you on jamie to discuss what could potentially be a fight in a phone box yeah, um, once again, thank you for having me on. Uh, becoming a bit of a common fixture, and I, it's nice. Um, um, it will be a fight in a phone box. John Ryder's last fight, it was like a Rocky film, wasn't it? And we all know that is um, not afraid of a, a war either, you know, with his last fight. So, yeah, anticipating some really exciting stuff. So, this is a fight that I'm actually looking forward to. When it was announced... Uh, I probably say I was surprised because I wasn't sure whether John would come back after having that difficult night with Canelo, of course. But the questions probably that are being posed at the moment is is what has John Ryder got left to offer against a Jaime Munguia who seemingly after getting that win against Derivanchenko is maybe turning a little bit of a corner in his career. Of course, we will talk about Jaime in a short while. First, I want to focus on John then Jamie and talk about his career at this moment in time and, and where it really does stand in the grand scheme of things. I think the the most notable moments for me really are in that uncrowned victory over Callum Smith. And I think it was that that moment in his career where things started to really turn in the right direction for him. He started to look better in the ring. He started to look more confident in his own ability. And 
the Danny Jacobs win via split decision in 2022 was a, a huge, huge scalp, despite what people might think of Danny Jacobs at that point of his career. That was a huge win for him. And as a result of that, he then goes in against undefeated Zach Parker and then gets the victory over Zach Parker due to a retirement with Zach suffering a broken right hand. But even at that point, going four rounds into that fight, he looked really good, Ryder. He looked like he was on his way to probably systematically breaking Parker down. And then he gets the big fight against Canelo, of course. Cinco de Mayo, 2023, goes over to Mexico doesn't really care about the fact that it's in Mexico and goes in there and gives Canelo a, a very competitive fight, despite the fact that it was very wide on all three scorecards. I felt like it was a, a highly competitive fight and there were some rounds in that contest between the two of them that were really exciting. And looking back on the fight most recently, ahead of this episode, I was really surprised by how much John Ryder took and was able to dish back out again in the fight. But the question remains for me, as probably many other people looking at this fight with Jaime Munguia is what has that fight taken out of Ryder can he replicate this Jamie what he did against Canelo Alvarez could he go toe-to-toe with Munguia or maybe at 35 years of age and and having some of these battles recently is father time going to start to catch up with him and is wear and tear going to start to catch up on him or can he replicate that Callum Smith performance and get an upset here I think he could certainly replicate it. You know, um, one thing that one thing that doesn't diminish is your absolute sort of the size of your uh, cojones, as the Mexicans would say. And uh, he certainly showed them John Ryder. You know, against uh, Canelo, he did take a, a sustained beating. But the fact is, you know, he was knocked down in the fifth after swallowing sort of copious amounts of blood. He broke his nose in the second round. Kept coming like a freight train, and he was even. You know, he was having, he was bossing the exchanges in the final round. He really gave um, Canelo something to think about in the 12th, when most men would be, well, I wouldn't say most men, you know, fighters are a different mentality, but a lot of men may have been sort of wheezing and then wanting to get out of the fight. John really showed his heart and his guts. And that's something I think he's going to need to do against Mungia. He's going to need to press forward and, and just get started ultra quick, really. Get started where he left off against Canelo because the one thing that I think the Dvorinchenko uh, fight with Mungir showed is if you press Mungir, he, he doesn't really know what to do. I mean, he will fight fire with fire, but there were points in that fight with Dvorinchenko where, you know, uh, the older man, uh, he's 37, I think, at the time, Dvorinchenko, the older man was really, he, he was looking like something, you know. And it was only Munguia sort of knocking down uh, the Rinchenko that sealed him the win. So if Ryder can can show the guts and show the heart um, and just just get going, really get motoring, uh, push him back. And he's a big, solid, big, solid super middleweight as well, Sean. And, and we had the discussion before, you know, there's this sort of... Um, the thing about Munguia is he, he's tended to be a bit of a weight bully. And um, it'll be interesting to see how he does against the big, strong, super middleweight. And if John Ryder can push him back, maybe he can do what Devrinchenko failed to do, you know. It is going to be an interesting fight because there are questions that are going to be answered, I think, with both of these fighters. Switching to Munguia in his career, you mentioned the Devrinchenko fight. I think that's probably his his most notable win of his career. When you look at accolades and what fighters have done in their careers, I think Derivinchenko is probably the most notable. He had a good fight with Gabriel Rosado in 2021, but he's 
his resume is hit and miss. You know, he's fought Dennis Hogan previously and beat Dennis Hogan. He's had Liam Smith when he was down at Super Welterweight when he picked up the WBO title or defended the WBO title, should I say, against Liam Smith. So he's he's moved up from Super Welterweight ultimately to Super Middleweight. And the weight bully comment that you made there was in reference to the fact that he, when he was down in Super Welterweight and when he was down in Middleweight, I always felt like when he came in on the night, he was much bigger. He was always much bigger than the guys he was fighting in those divisions. And I always felt like he had that advantage over them where ultimately over the course of the fight, he'd start to break them down and that weight would start to to favour in his advantage. Apart from maybe certain fighters that he went in against, like Rosado, for example, who absolutely a tough nut to crack. There were certain fighters that he were able to do that against successfully, but then there were certain fighters where he was able to break them down and, and stop them you know, quite emphatically, how he did against Demetrius Ballard and, and Jimmy Kelly and Gonzalo Correa. You know, he was able to stop those three opponents three rounds, five rounds and three rounds respectively. But now he goes in against Derry Vinchenko in his last fight in June last year and he's not able to do that against a, a fully-fledged super middleweight who has been in there with the best fighters around. And he was able to go in there with someone who was much more experienced in his 19 professional fights than what Munguia's had in 42 fights, strangely enough. Because if you look at Derevinchenko's resume and you look at the defeats on his record, a split decision loss to Danny Jacobs in 2018, Gennady Kolovkin, unanimous decision loss, Jamal Charlo, unanimous decision loss, and then Carlos Adames, majority decision loss. Going into that Munguia fight, he'd had, in what, the space of six, seven fights, a completely better career than what Munguia has, despite the fact he's now going into his 43rd professional fight against John Ryder. And that's always the danger with fighters at this early stage of the career. I know Canelo has, of course, done it as well. He started so young at 15 and built up a huge resume. And before you knew it, he's he's into his 25th fight and he's, he's now just starting to really emerge on the scene. There's always a risk that fighters like this are, are going to get found out at some point down the line. We've yet to see it, of course, with Munguia. Is Ryder going to be the guy that's going to be able to do it? Or is he getting Ryder at a time where maybe, as I said earlier, Ryder, we don't know what he's got left. And maybe this could be the right time for both of these fighters to take the fight, mainly for Munguia to fight a guy who has obviously just gone the distance with Canelo. And, and for John Ryder at 35, it's a, it's probably another really good payday before he calls time on his career. So just talking about Munguia then, Jamie, going back to him for a couple of moments, what have you made of his career so far? What have you made of his, his resume? What have you made of him as a boxer? And do you think he is the sort of fighter that maybe could challenge the likes of Canelo or the David Benavideses of the world or even the David Morels of the world in this division? Well, I'll go back to my previous comment. I think anyone who sort of presses him, I mean, he's not lost. But Devrinchenko showed that he's there to be sort of taken and, and um, shook up a little bit if you just press him. Um, I would like to compare his career to another Mexican, um, who's the cruiserweight now, Gilberto Ramirez. Uh, he's 45 and 1. Uh, he, he hadn't really fought anyone until he fought Dimitri Bivol in um, 2022. You know, he, he was sort of slowly, slowly going along, you know, but not really massive names on the resume and that's the sort of thing that you know you can see from Jamie Mongear yes he fought the likes of Liam Smith 
Um, but uh, again, sort of weight advantages, you know, there's always a bit of an advantage. And uh, with Gilberto Ramirez, to make the comparison, you know, Ramirez was fighting people sort of past their prime as well. You know, he had Arthur Abraham beat him on a unanimous decision. Um, most recently, he fought Joe Smith Jr., a man who was destroyed uh, by Arthur Peturbiev. You know, so I think pedigree, and you alluded to that before, the pedigree of John Ryder is really going to make a uh, make a big difference for John Ryder, I think, in terms of his confidence. Because, you know, if he's looking at the careers the way we are and, and picking them apart critically, John Ryder's got a lot more pedigree maybe than, than Devryachenko, if you think about it, because... He went in there against the recognised sort of super middleweight champion in Callum Smith at the time, and arguably met many said that he won the fight, myself and yourself included. Um, and you know he's gone in there against Danny Jacobs. I didn't think he he won that fight, but he got the nod. Uh, he's he's been in there against a higher class of opponent, and the fact that he was able to survive against Canelo when Canelo was, uh, let's face it, Canelo beat the proverbial snot album, didn't he? Really. And he was still there at the end of the fight, but not not just still there. He was giving it. He was still able to give it back. I think that you know, I don't think he's going to be able to knock down John Ryder the same way he did uh, with Devryanchenko, and that's what won him the fight ultimately. But Devryanchenko wasn't able to stay on his feet. I think uh, when you're hitting the griller and you're hitting a bit of a brick wall, as long as John Ryder's still got something left in the tank, I really think his pedigree is going to win out, and we're going to see him do what uh, Devrinchenko couldn't do and just stay on his feet and, and get maybe a unanimous decision. Because I don't think he's a... I don't think Mungia's weak or anything like that. I think he's going to fight fire with fire. But ultimately, I just think, you know, when you're against a man that you can't wait, Bolly, going back to what I was saying before, I think we're going to see a very different story playing out. People might disagree with what we're saying in terms of, of where John Ryder's at. It's, it's difficult to assess exactly where he's at because obviously we haven't seen him back in the ring since the Canelo fight so we could talk based on what we know of John Ryder as a fighter and we could kind of hope that maybe he will come in and, and give Derivanchenko well not Derivanchenko but Munguia a, uh, a a much more difficult proposition than what he had against Derivanchenko and that assumption could lead us to be completely wrong that if Munguia comes in there and absolutely bullies him and batters him around the ring worse than Canelo does, maybe stops him in the fight, it, it does kind of make you look a little bit silly, but then also makes you realise that maybe that fight with Canelo took a lot out of him. I think it's a difficult position for Munguia to be in. If I'm being honest, he's in a difficult position because there's a risk that he loses this fight, legitimately. Uh, this is one of the the toughest fights sparring Derevanchenko that I genuinely think he's he's going to have had in his career. And then there's also that risk that he isn't going to be rewarded if he wins the fight because people are automatically going to go, well, you got Canelo's leftovers. That's what people are naturally going to to criticise it with. So I don't think McGuire's in a, in, a, in a great position either way here, to be honest with you. There's definitely a lot more risk than there is reward in this fight for him. But I understand the logic of him wanting to fight somebody who has been in there with former super middleweight champions or current super middleweight champions when he's fought them. That is kind of like a measuring stick, really, for Munguia. You know, taking the Derevanchenko fight and the Ryder fights back to back is is probably a credit to him and a testament to where his career is finally turning the corner. 
because for many years I've kind of sat there and felt like he is going to be one of those fighters that he just sticks to fighting average opposition and, and we're never truly going to get to see whether he is that next boxing Mexican superstar currently held, of course, by Canelo Alvarez. Is he going to take over that mantelpiece? Is he eventually going to fight Canelo Alvarez? We, we just don't know. He's certainly one of the names that have been touted to go against him, but he has to... He has to beat John Ryder and he has to do it in an emphatic fashion for me to be able to get the 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 credit or some sort of credit. But I do think he's in a difficult position because no matter what happens in this fight, he doesn't really come away with the reward. Because if he loses it, it's it's you know, it's it's a really big it's a real big knock on his career at this point, especially when he's maybe on the cusp of putting his name out there for a potential world title shot and there's a WBC silver middleweight title up for grabs that he currently holds after. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Beating Derevanchenko for the vacant version. So automatically, you know, that maybe even puts him in line to jump the queue for a fight with Canelo. And if the rumors are true with Canelo's next fight against Jamal Charlo which is a completely cop-out fight, then it's a potential that maybe if Munguia wins this fight, we could end up seeing Munguia versus Canelo in September. So maybe there is some sort of hidden agenda behind it, but I just feel for him because he's got such a big risk in taking this fight with Ryder, who could legitimately beat him. But if he beats him, he's not really going to get the credit because people are going to say, like I said earlier, this is Canelo's leftovers. So... Where does that really put him in the grand scheme of things, winning this fight or or even losing it? Well, I feel for him as well because unlike what you're saying there about, you know, the uh, Canelo fight, could be he could be knocking on the door of the Canelo fight. I think he'd have to get through David Benavidez first and uh, I don't think that would be a pretty prospect. I know Jeremy Munguia is, is undefeated, but again, you know, comparing him, Unfavorable, comparing him favorably, I suppose, because of a similar sort of careers where the trajectories are uh, to Gilberto Ramirez. You know, 
if he does lose, then it'll just be, it'll be like that, won't he? But uh, yeah, I think David Benavides is the man next in line, really, to, to fight Canelo after the uh, Charlo fight. You know, he's he's the one who's got to be screaming his name out and just saying, look, you need to get your acting gear. Jamie Mungier can wait in line. Um, I do think he'll be a decent scout, be a decent scout for Mungier. But again, I think. Um, we're just delaying the the inevitable beating that I feel we'll get from Canelo or David Benavidez, maybe even David Morrell, because he's knocking everyone out, isn't he? So, yeah, uh, wait your turn. I don't think he'll be next in line to fight Canelo. So the big question that I'm going to pose next, Jamie, is, of course, who wins the fight? How do you see the fight playing out? We've discussed their recent careers and, and where we think they're at and what the potential outcomes are either way, but... Ultimately, it's about now giving our opinions on on how we think the pl- fight plays out and putting our necks on the line, as always, and, and giving a prediction about how this fight plays out. Um, to me, and, and we had a bit of discussion prior to the show starting, didn't we? Um, when I take into account the, the Devrinchenko fight, because that's the real marker when you're looking at one gear, you know, you're as good as your last contest. Um, I think John Ryder, depending on what he's got left after having the you know, after being beaten up by Canelo for all intents and purposes, if he's got anything left, I can see John Ryder taking a uh, quite close decision. I can see it being a very similar fight to the Devrinchenko fight, except John Ryder's going to stand there like a silverback griller and he ain't going to fall. And as long as uh, he doesn't do that, he can put his shots together, be a tricky southpaw, um, and just, you know, outlast one gear. Yeah, I've got John Ryder there. If he's got anything left in the tank, Wins by unanimous, um, unanimous decision, but I think it'll be quite a close fight. So I go with Munguia for this one. As much as my heart wants John Ryder to do it, maybe it's patriotic bias, maybe it's just because I enjoy watching John Ryder fighting, I ultimately look at this fight and think that despite the fact that Munguia has really improved over the past few years he is getting older he has been in that war with Canelo we don't know what he has got left in the tank we haven't seen him back in action since that fight so it is really difficult for me to sit here and 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 honestly say that John Ryder is going to win this fight because I'm quite concerned that maybe that fight with Canelo will have taken something significant out of him where we might not see the same John Ryder as we've seen before Obviously, I'd love to see it. Of course I would. I'd love to, to see the outcome play out the way you you are predicting it to be, Jamie. But I think that when I look at the fight and I look at where their careers are at, where they're potentially going, I, I have to favour Munguia in this fight. I have to favour him in the sense that I think when it gets to that point, if they do engage and they do have to fight in the phone box, as I said at the start of the show, who do I favour more to come out of those exchanges? And I do favour Munguia, despite maybe what you said about John Ryder and, and his ability to fight well on the inside. I think maybe Munguia's youthfulness, the the lack of wars that he's been involved in might play in his favour, whereas John Ryder's been involved in more difficult fights, more close, long, debilitating, potential career, shortening fights than what... Jaime Munguia has been in. So that's kind of why I'm I'm leaning towards Jaime Munguia getting the victory. 
I think he wins. I think he wins it on points. I can't see him stopping John Ryder. That's one thing I will be adamantly saying. If I'm going to predict anything, I'm going to predict that John Ryder isn't getting stopped in this fight. And if he does, it'll be a huge surprise to me and probably many others. But I think Jaime Munguia probably takes this on points. I think he might outwork him. I think he might step in and step out and not maybe allow John Ryder to get too close in the inside and maybe at times he will he'll try to be a bit smarter in this fight and maybe not fight John Ryder's fight because if that was what if they if, if I was in his corner that's what I'd be telling him I would be saying don't don't be stepping in and getting involved in his type of a fight because all that's going to happen is you're going to potentially struggle on the inside and he'll get the better of you and he'll out hustle you and there's a potential that that could happen and that's why I can understand why you think John Ryder could could do this and why he could get this win and what may be perceived as a potential upset. But I just see Munguia just having that little bit extra, that little bit more youthfulness about him, that little bit more freshness about him that's going to maybe just out-hustle John Ryder in this particular fight. So my prediction is Jaime Munguia wins this fight via a... I think it'll be a unanimous decision, but... If John Ryder does turn up and he isn't completely shot-worn after the Canelo fight, then maybe it could lead to it being a split decision. But I'm sticking with a Jaime Munguia win for this fight, Jamie. I think he's I think he's going to do it, even though I'd like John to do it. I think Jaime wins this fight and he moves on. And if he does win the fight, it'll be interesting to see what he actually does do next. I think the one topic that we haven't really touched on which I'll I'll switch it to now I've given my prediction what if John wins the fight Jamie what if John does cause the upset I mean what what happens for him next um that's something I've not really it's weird because I've just given a prediction on the unanimous decision there but you know it's not something I've really considered I think you know in the um you've got to say Canelo's in the sort of twilight of his career um perhaps the logical step and I've mentioned David Benavidez there would be a sort of marking time fight for David Benavidez, get him in with John Ryder, and then let's see, you know, maybe use John Marker, uh, John Marker, John Ryder, sorry, as a marker to see where uh, Benavidez is. You know, he really wants the Canelo fight. Let's see if he can dispatch John Ryder there, where um, Canelo was unable to do that. But obviously, he's still got to, he's got to get this fight out of the way. It's a big ask. Whilst I believe he can do it, contrary to what you said there, um, it's a big ask, so let's cross that bridge when we come to it. You know, and I'm sure John Ryder, um, he won't believe his luck. He's he's having a bit of an Indian summer, well, not an Indian summer to his career because he's, he's done really well, but he's had a lot of momentum. He's picked up a lot of pace, um, and I'm sure he's taking everything one fight at a time, so he won't even be thinking that far. So we'll move on to some of the other fights that are happening across the weekend also on DAZN as well this coming Saturday is a card at the Holster Hall in Belfast and a couple of notable fights on there maybe just to have a little mention of one of them in particular that I'm looking forward to is Chivon Clark versus Tommy McCarthy for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Cruiserweight Championship this is a good step in the career of Chivon Clark I think Getting someone like a Tommy McCarthy at this stage of his career would be a really, really good victory for Chivon Clark if he was to be able to pull it off. And you look at where Tommy McCarthy's at, he's had a mixed bag of tricks in his career, but of course he has 
been involved in big fights in the division, most notably Chris Billum Smith when he had that fight with him in 2021 when it was a split decision loss controversially some might say they had the rematch and Chris Billum Smith knocked him out in eight rounds that's probably the most notable fight on his record alongside his loss to Richard Riakpour in this cruiserweight division his last fight for the European title also ended in a KO loss against Mikhail Sislak who obviously previously had fought against a Another one of our guys in Lawrence Coli a couple of fights ago. So it is a very good benchmark fight for Chevon Clark to go in against Tommy McCarthy, who's got that experience. His ceiling is probably the European level. He's fought for European titles. He's fought for British titles. He's been a European champion before. It is a really good fight in his eighth professional fight for Clark at this stage of his career because what we want to see is we want to see him moving forward now. I think he's got the ability and he's got the skill. And at the age of 33, I'm quite expecting him within another three or four fights to be having that conversation around fighting the likes of Billum Smith and Riakpour and maybe Akola if he's still around in the cruiserweight division and all the other cruiserweights domestically that he's going to be putting a target on their backs. So I'm actually quite impressed that this fight is happening and I think it's a good fight for him. Very much so, but um, let's not get carried away. Carried away here, Sean. I don't want to see Chevron Clark in the ring against Lawrence Okoli. I, I don't ever really want to want to watch Lawrence Okoli again. He makes Johnny Nelson look insane. In, uh, for those of our American viewers who are um, not too familiar with Johnny Nelson, just uh, yeah, uh, have a look at his, his highlights. He's got the most ironic nickname known to man in the entertainer. Um, one of the one of the funny quips that Brendan Ingle used to come up with, um, but yeah, I'd, uh, with Chevron Clark, as you say, with his age being thirty six, he'll want to get a move on, um, and Tommy McCarthy as well. He might have it in the back of his mind. Um, the benchmark was the Chris Benham Smith fight. Chris Benham Smith got Tommy McCarthy out of there in eight rounds, and Chev Clark do it quicker. You know, he's a big puncher. Uh, five cows from his seven wins. And this is quite a jump up from the uh, the standard opponent that he's been facing, sort of. Um, it's quite a step up, so it will really be interesting to see whether he can make that leap. And as you say, plenty of uh, potential exciting exciting matchups to be made. Let's just not put him in with Lawrence Coley. I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that one. I think um, nobody really wants that type of a fight to happen. At this moment in time, well, if you are watching that card on Saturday night, Lewis Crocker fights Jose Felix, WBO Intercontinental Welterweight title up for grabs. Vacant version of it, of course. Paddy Donovan is also in action on this card. Connor Walker versus Lloyd Germain is going to be a really interesting fight on that card also. So if you are looking for a bit of a starter before the Munguia versus Ryder fight, that is the place to go to this weekend on the zone also. So just before we come to the end of this episode, Jamie, I think we, we talked a little bit about it earlier when we've been talking about Munguia versus Ryder. Of course, I'm referring to the fact that Canelo supposedly, and it's been reported by multiple media outlets, that his next fight is supposed to be against Jamal Charlo. He's obviously fought Jamel Charlo, who moved up from super welterweight to super middleweight. Now we've got Jamal, who is a middleweight and has only had one fight back, of course, since he spell out of the ring. Seemingly, he looks like he's getting the Canelo fight. 
which seems to be a little bit of a cop-out for us as fans, given the fact that we've been talking about Canelo maybe fighting a David Benavidez or Canelo maybe fighting a Dimitri Bivol or Canelo maybe fighting a David Morel. For him to be fighting Jamal Charlo next, I think he's a bit of a disservice to the fans in particular. But I don't think Canelo probably cares about that at this stage. I think he can do what the hell he wants. He's essentially the superstar, the face of this sport. Whether you love it or you hate it, he is. And he brings in the money. And as a result of that, he's essentially picking who he wants to fight. But legacy-wise, it doesn't really do a, a great deal for it because he's fighting guys that are essentially one or two weights below him where he's been comfortable at for quite some time when he could be fighting guys that are legitimately ready to take them titles away from him that are absolutely hungry. I feel like when Jamel took the fight, it was a, it was a money grab and he didn't perform whatsoever in the fight. Is his brother going to do anything different, Jamie? Um, well, you mentioned before that, you know, Canelo's picked this fight, so man picked it. I think it's the TV executives that picked this fight, personally. It's a fight that sells itself. And uh, after the Jamel Charlo fight, I remember there were rumblings about, you know, perhaps Jamal uh, Jamal was going to be next. You know, the, the fight sells itself. Can the brother take revenge? You know, and um, Jamal's also fought you know, in a bit of a six degrees of separation in Jamal's last fight, he fought Jose Benavidez Jr., who is the brother of David Benavidez, and he beat him by, uh, you know, decision. So there's there's a nice little narrative there to go with that as well. Again, the executives can sell. I think it's all tied up quite nicely, uh, you know, and it, it may well lead us into the David Benavidez fight. I do hope so, because I really think that's the fight for super middleweight supremacy. Um, we can't really have a go at Canelo for, for taking this fight. I know it is a bit of a cop-out, but he's, uh, he's unified divisions. He's given us some great nights over the years, even though I do think he lost to, uh, you know, the Golovkin twice, and, and you know, Golovkin wasn't, was all done by there. You know, he is a guy that I like to see Canelo and, and really if anyone's if anyone's earned a bit of a bit of a night where he can sort of rest on his laurels a bit, then it would be the ginger one, you know. I mean, how many of these nights is he is he allowed? I mean that's the that's the other thing. I suppose it's a conversation for another time because that's pretty much all we have time for on this big fight preview we have gone with our predictions. Jamie has selected John Ryder to maybe cause the upset here against Jaime Munguia, whereas I've gone Munguia. Both of us believe it's going to go the distance. It is a real interesting fight. I'm very much looking forward to it. So that brings an end to the episode. Of course, if you have enjoyed it, please do let us know by tweeting us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, or you can find us on any of the social media applications and type in BTR Boxing Podcast Network. If you haven't heard our latest Legendary Nights episode, the tale of Mark Kayla versus Errol Christie, please head over to the feed now and download that episode and give a listen to what was one of the most charged fights of the 1980s in the UK and that brings an end to this episode thank you as always for listening to the show thank you to the patrons for subscribing to us through patreon.com that additional support has been greatly appreciated over the years and if anybody can continue to support us or wants to support us additionally then head over to patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast network finally it's the last week of voting on the sports podcasting group 
please go and vote for BTR Boxing Podcast or The Darker Side of Boxing. It's the final week. Please go and get your votes in there. It would be really appreciated if you can go on there for just one moment, have a quick look, vote for one of the shows, and hopefully we might end up with a place in this year, not just a nomination. But that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Fight Preview on the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. The dream is made real. Ricky Hunt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Podcast Network.